Welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that explores the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend 5 to 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, which I then turn into a concise 15 to 30 minute summary and analysis. There's a summary episode every week, as well as periodic standalone episodes that are either me sharing an idea on a topic or discussing one with a guest. The goal is twofold, to keep you up to date on the absolute latest in security and technology, and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 205. Didn't record last week, so it's two weeks combined into one. Lots of stuff to cover. Starting off with security news, trends in phishing and spam for Q3 2019. This is pretty interesting stuff. Um, looks like the trends are Amazon Prime stuff. Scammers collect photos of documents and selfies. So it's like confirm your identity type stuff. Um, Samsung Galaxy 10 spam. YouTube and Instagram back to school. OneDrive for business. Product launches. Yeah, bunch of really cool, um, I guess not memes, but basically approaches to attacking different types of users. One thing I thought was interesting is I saw a piece recently that talked about how um, the attack surface is moving to human behavior rather than a particular type of technology or whatever. Really, you just have to get in front of the human, right? Whether it's shipping them a package and they open it up or it's uh, snail mail is actually on the rise as a, as a vector, because it does get to the human, then it's just a question of what are the universal hooks that work against people. So I, I think that's a really interesting to think about. You can kind of abstract away the tech from the hook, because the hook is human based. CWE has updated its list of the top 25 vulnerabilities. And clicking on this real quick. Um, this was a little bit surprising, or I don't know. I, I didn't like the list all that much. Um, I'm really glad they're doing it. I'm glad someone's keeping it updated. So number one was improper restriction of operations within the bounds of a memory buffer, which is basically buffer overflows. Number two, improper neutralization of input during web page generation. Okay. And they call that cross-site scripting. Number three, improper input validation. So number one, number two, and number three are input validation. Number three is called input validation. Number two is called improper neutralization of input. Number four is information exposure, which is a different type. Number five, out of bounds read. Number six, improper neutralization of special elements used in a SQL command. Or where did you get that SQL command? Probably from a user, which means it's input. So it's input validation again, number six. Use after free, integer overflow or wraparound. Um, improper limitation of a path name restricted directory, path traversal. Impro improper neutralization of special elements used in an OS command. OS command injection. Yeah, improper neutralization of special elements. So again, we're back to input validation. I feel like we have a parent-child problem here. And as someone who's worked on a lot of these lists and uh, part of, as part of OWASP, 
I, I feel their pain. This is not an easy problem to solve. It's not like, oh, duh, you should just do this. But at the same time, it's a little disappointing because, um, <clears throat> I don't know, buffer overflow, number one, I, I guess that's fine. But um, the fact that buffer overflow is a type of input validation problem, I, or at least I, I see it that way. It, it just seems like a problem because the, the greater class, the parent, is number three and the child is number one. Anyway, I'm glad they're doing it. Uber is going to start making audio recordings of rides for safety purposes. And this combines actually with another story down here where um, Uber has a problem with fake drivers. <laughs> so um, I posted on Twitter a long time ago, you know, like six months ago, how I heard a story from a driver who basically said that they just saw an accident and the driver just ran out of the car. This is in San Francisco. There, there was an accident. They got hit from behind or whatever. And they just opened the door and sprinted away from the car. And my driver explained, well, that's because they're probably from Brazil. And he's like, yeah, I'm from Brazil. And he's like, I know tons of people who drive Uber here. And they don't actually have licenses. They're actually using other people's accounts. And it's like this big scam of like loaning people a car or loaning people an identity, which they drive under and they get a percentage of your money. So the person driving doesn't actually have to get all, you know, papered up. They could just come and drive. The person takes, you know, some significant portion of their money, but at least they get to drive. At least they get to make something. Um, so he explained that. And it looks like that is um, actually happening. And it named a few cities, London, San Francisco, and a few others where this is happening a lot. Um, so, yeah, them making audio recordings of rides for safety purposes. I mean, there's lots of reasons they're doing this. It's a little bit weird, though. A lot of people have sensitive conversations inside their vehicles, um, inside their Ubers. They're on the phone doing conference calls, talking about potentially sensitive things. Um, I, I think that's uh, might become an issue. The DHS, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, has released an open-source post-election auditing tool in preparation for the 2020 elections. Trying to figure out what the angle exactly is here. It, one of, I guess, is maybe deterrent so that you know if you claim that there's tampering or you actually do tampering that it might be discovered later. <clears throat> um, not sure how effective that'll be, but it's a good try. The U.S. is not stopping China from stealing research from American universities. And it can, can't actually just ban Chinese students because universities rely on their out-of-state fees. This is a really good example of where capitalism is is breaking lots of things, right? So, and just to be clear, I'm, I'm absolutely a capitalist, but when you have a situation where universities can't survive without, you know, actual serious outside money, that's an opening. That's that leaves you vulnerable to not being able to make, you know, policy decisions that will actually help you. So in this case, we have many, many Chinese students coming to um, good universities, top universities, research universities, with the explicit purpose of stealing content. Obviously, I don't know what percentage that is. Obviously, there's tons of people here just to learn. Um, but whatever that percentage is, it, it is significant, and it is um, important and dangerous. So 
you can't actually just say, you know, we're going to look into this and we're not going to let you come until we investigate, or we're not going to say we can't just stop you from coming because, you know, th- this particular group that you happen to be a part of, um, coming directly from China to top universities in the following fields, you know, you can't just say you're not allowed to come because we have a security issue because the universities would actually die because they've made this crossover into a purely capitalist um, organization as opposed to an educational, you know, social benefit organization. So it, it's a, it's a serious problem. And uh, we, we continue to see more and more of these where once you sell out and become a pure pay to play situation, whether that's employment or education or healthcare or whatever, more and more bad things start to happen because you've basically made that Faustian exchange, which puts you in a bad position. Yeah, so mad respect for Google for notifying victims when they've been the target of state-sponsored attacks. So evidently, they have this program where they look for people who've been attacked by these top-tier actors, and they actually reach out and notify them and say, hey, just let you know, they're coming after you. And they've done this like tens of thousands of times. So super respect to them. Australia is rolling out AI cameras to catch drivers using their phones. Um, I'm a fan of this, you know, in some ways. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm torn on it. All this AI camera stuff, I'm really torn on because I, I see massive benefits. But whenever you build something that has that much benefit, it could just be massively misused as well. So um, this is a situation that I, that I think is just going to have immediate impact. I mean, people are going to start getting tickets. There'll be false positives and there'll be objections or whatever. But, uh, you know, I assume they're going to have the actual footage to prove it or not prove it. But um, once people who are legitimately doing this, texting and driving or whatever, start getting tickets, and they know they're guilty, and they know the cameras are always on, they're going to stop doing it, and there will be less people getting injured or killed. Burglars can buy Bluetooth detectors to find computers left in your car. So they could just mob around a parking lot and look for particular types of computers, like the most expensive types or a particular type they actually want that will sell well, and they could find them and break in the car only if it's inside because the Bluetooth beacon will actually identify what type of device it is. So for the higher-end burglars, this is, a, this is a thing. Amazon was working on a neighborhood watch list before the project got killed off. So they were going to exchange, <laughs> uh, I, I'm assuming, I, I only read a little bit of this, but it's basically facial recognition matches that are exchanged throughout a neighborhood uh, for known suspicious people or bad people. And uh, again, sounds kind of smart and useful and all that, but just super gross at the same time. That's that's the way a lot of this AI stuff is going to be. A purported member of the Chinese intelligence services is seeking asylum in Australia. And he's basically saying that China has been tampering with the politics of multiple countries. I uh, got a video here of president Nixon giving a speech about the Apollo 11 crew. 
getting stranded on the moon, which actually never happened. So Apollo 11 crew is the one that came back. They're the ones that did the big mission, the, the stepping on the moon and everything. Uh, Buzz Aldrin, I think. Um, anyway, all, all the main guys, right? So uh, they did this. It's a deep fake video as if they got stuck there. And it's really convincing. I mean, it looks exactly like Nixon talking on a very old video. And uh, they did it just because to show uh, that they could. Advisories, VNC, lots of volumes and lots of VNC. And one of the comments here is basically that there's so much VNC inside of um, ICS infrastructure. And I've, I've personally seen it myself. So uh, you got to patch the stuff. But even better, get VNC out of there. Which will never happen. So best of luck to you. And Oracle EBS, lots of volumes there as well. Breaches, Macy's, Magento Marketplace, T-Mobile, and Mixcloud, 21 million accounts at Mixcloud. Companies Detectify raises 21 million pounds, which I don't know how much money that is anymore. Roughly the same, 25 million, I don't know. But um, Detectify, I think, is a web scanner. Uh, I think I used it a while back. Um, it was pretty cool. But uh seems like... Yeah, I think it's a web scanner. I haven't seen in a while, so who knows what they're doing now. And then abnormal security raises $24 million to counter business email compromise. Technology news. An fMRI combined with machine learning can now tell the emotion that someone is feeling with remarkable accuracy. So they basically had someone lay in an fMRI and think about envy and think about joy and think about, you know, sadness. and then the um, they pulled them out and they had the computer guess and they actually had a voice on it. It's like, I think this emotion is joy. And she's like, yep, that's what I was thinking of. And she described the scene that she was thinking of and the computer actually got it right. So that's pretty scary. I mean, we're worried about our phones and our homes as being like privacy enclaves that we're protecting. We really need to think about our brains being the ultimate privacy enclave. And this is actually happening way faster than I thought it would. Of course, fMRI is it's not mobile. It's, you know, you, you need quite a bit to be able to capture enough data, right, to be able to make this type of inference. But when you combine this with, like, the Wi-Fi stuff that can bounce signals off your chest and see how fast your heart is beating, um, body language interpreters, facial expression interpreters, now combine that with any sort of signal coming off the brain, however it gets that. Um, and not to mention a law enforcement situation where they actually have control over you and they can actually put something on your brain and make you think something. Um, yeah, all these combined, you actually are going to be able to look into the, the depths of somebody and see what they actually mean. Are they lying? Are they not? Won't be foolproof. Of course, it'll be trickable or whatever, but... Um, you know, if it gets 70, 80, 90, 95%, then that last 5% doesn't matter as much. The best Go player in the world just quit the game because he says AI is unbeatable. That's, I would probably do the same, honestly. He basically said it doesn't matter how good I get. It's troubling for him to know that there's something out there that can just beat him. And there's nothing he could do about it. And it's just getting better way faster than he's getting better. Um, 
Yeah. I, I can't say I disagree. I mean, especially for Go, where it was so computationally intense and so creative that it was supposed to be untouchable. Obviously, chess was as well, but Go even more. So to have Go get crushed um, to this degree was just insane. And he, he did win a game off the uh, system, but he said it was actually a fluke. It was a bug, um, which they can now correct, I think. Congress is finally going after the robocalls with new legislation. Really glad to see this. It's about time. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do. A bunch of them are Chinese. Like I'm getting called calls all the time in Mandarin and Cantonese. And uh, I mean, are, <laughs> are criminals going to obey the laws? I mean, I'm just curious how, how they're actually going to enforce this. TikTok now has more than 1.5 billion downloads. It's actually crushing. Instagram is the one that's really worried. Um, Snapchat probably as well. Facebook in general is really worried about this. Uber has lost its license again to drive in London. Not sure the reason this time, but probably stick a bit longer, I, I imagine. Salesforce launched a bunch of cool voice features for its platform at Dreamforce. So you can now say, what's my next sales meeting? You know, tell me about this client, like all, all these different things. They got their own, uh, I think they call it Sherlock, maybe. Their um, AI assistant within the app. Audi is cutting 10,000 jobs or so. I think it's like 9,500 in its switch to electric cars. Maybe n less moving pieces, less <clears throat> people to work on all the different components because there are way fewer components. Human news, ride-hailing apps have increased the demand for bartenders. That makes sense. If you can get there and back, you can get more crushed <laughs> at the actual bar. Uh, excuse me. Americans are moving at the lowest rate on record. This confuses me. Um, well, it doesn't confuse me. I'm just surprised. I, I figured with the economy doing really well, people will be moving more. So that's interesting. It appears one of the best ways to improve retention is to take 10 to 15 minutes of quiet. So basically, after you've absorbed a massive amount of information, you're supposed to basically dim the lights, sit back and kind of do nothing. You don't have to meditate, but you can't get it on your phone. You can't do something else that's active. Basically, you want to not touch any tech and just kind of stew. And essentially, this is the memory formation um, moment. And uh, you don't want to disrupt it. That, that's the bottom line, right? So when you're learning, don't disrupt memory formation with other learning or distraction. Personal loans are becoming another debt bubble in the U.S. Companies are advertising them like crazy. Again, I think I heard today the millennials alone have a trillion dollars in student loans. It's different than personal loans, but um, yeah, the loan situation is getting crazy. Psilocybin has been granted breakthrough therapy status by the FDA. Um, I, is that mushrooms? I think it's mushrooms. Psilocybin. I don't know. It, it's some kind of uh, hallucinogenic drug, and uh, evidently the clinical trials went well, and it's, um, it's moving through quickly. 
the death rates of 25 to 34-year-olds jumped 29% from 2010 to 2017, and middle-aged women's drug overdose rates rose by 351% in seven years. So 351%, that's what, over four times? It's insane. After many recommendations over the last years, I finally started watching The Expanse. I'm uh, super picky about what to watch on TV. It has to be really good. And uh, every indicator says that um, this show is actually at that level. This is not supposed to be in the human section, but uh, that's cool. We just did it live, so that's where it was. Ideas, trends, and analysis. Exploring both sides of the free speech and canceling debate. That's an essay I just did this weekend. Evidently, dopamine fasting is a thing now. It's where you eschew all inputs so you can rest to a point where you find basic things enjoyable again. But I guess right after that, you just get back on Facebook and eh, I don't know. It seems like unless you're really going to change your permanent diet, it would be like going on a water diet and then being a fat slob right afterwards. Um, It seems like you would have to make it a permanent reduction in your whatever dopamine inputs for this to be truly effective, but it's a cool idea. Socialism is as popular as capitalism among young U.S. adults. So, yeah, I think it's millennials and Gen Z is what they meant by young. And, uh, yeah, it's just about match, socialism versus capitalism. I don't know. I don't really fault young people for being mad at capitalism because it's totally failing them. So you shouldn't be upset about that. Kind of reminds me of people getting mad at the the new Chinese rich who come over here and buy everything that has, you know, a brand name on it and they don't seem very nice and they're just kind of flaunting their materialism in a very, you know, kind of crude way. The best way to gain empathy for that is to read about Mao and the Chinese revolution. Because when you realize that there were people like, you know, eating each each other, like eating people alive, um, mass starvation. That is the pressure cooker that their parents grew up in. And that pressure passed down to them. And now they got hold of some money. And so this, this is what previously poor people do when they get money is they go heavy into it. So I, I wouldn't uh, try to have a little bit of empathy for people in that situation. There's a somewhat believable theory that the reason we're hearing so much about mindfulness these days is that corporations are pushing it as a way to minimize stress and therefore improve productivity for their overworked employees. This is kind of a uh, cynical view of the mindfulness thing, which I'm, I'm going down the path. Um, I've wanted to since my late teens, so it's not like a new thing, but the door that's been opened recently with all the new apps and everything, it's, it's done it for me. But um, yeah, this is kind of a cynical view of that, basically saying that, uh, I mean, the most cynical version is basically corporations are crushing their people. They're making them mentally ill. And then at the same time, they're pitching, 
oh, by the way, do mindfulness so you can handle stress. So please come back to work and do your job. So that's that's the cynical view. Um, I think as with most things, that's probably true in some cases, but not necessarily the entire story. Updates. So I'm experimenting this week with a different style of the newsletter and podcast, as you probably have already heard. Basically, shorter text in the newsletter and a bit more ad-lib commentary in the podcast. This is two things that makes the newsletter more approachable and also makes the podcast more engaging, hopefully. My preference is actually to do the other style, which is clean, you know, two to five sentences, and you basically just perform or read those sentences, and you use those as the podcast content, right? That is the podcast content. But the poll I did recently indicated that a good number of you will like shorter newsletter, uh, shorter newsletters, or at least shorter paragraphs, right? They just people don't want to read a giant chunk of text. Um, so this podcast, this newsletter is actually mostly one sentence and everything I've been talking about has just been sort of ad-libbed. You get a lot more pauses, a lot more ums, ahs, because I'm thinking in real time. But um, they do make for better podcasts, I think, more detailed. They're definitely longer. So maybe this is the mix that makes sense, right? Super short newsletter content, but maybe even more stories uh, because I don't have to write as much, right? So I'm saving time on the writing and actually spending more time doing Adlet. I I just tend away from that because I like to have more crispness in like what I'm saying and doing. But um, this might be a better mix. You know, you have the, basically the show notes, you have all the content and all the links if you want to follow these paths in the newsletter. And then if you want to hear more about it or get some commentary, you come to the audio. So uh, we'll see how it works. So last week, had the whole week off last week, spent like 75% of it on the Linux command line, which was, it was honestly glorious. It was like a meditation retreat. And the result is I now have like, I've basically learned the basics of both Terraform and Ansible. And using that, I've fully automated the tech stack for my site. So I could basically press go and have like a Terraform Ansible provision new system, install ZSH, install NeoVim, web server config, database, PHP, all my configs, all my settings, all my tweaks and optimizations. Comes up fully ready to serve pages. I just changed DNS and it's live. I've also moved off of Ubuntu after like six years, so kind of sad for me. Um, I don't know. Linux distros feel like friends to me. Like, I feel like you just, oh, you don't want to talk to me anymore? No, it's not you. It's like, I'm just trying something else or whatever. I don't know. It just feels uncomfortable, especially with Gentoo, because that was like my love, always will be. But um, yeah, I was on Gentoo for like eight or nine years. And now I'm on Amazon Linux. And I actually skipped right ahead and went right to version two, which is the latest, newest one. Most people are still on version one. And uh, why Amazon Linux? Because nobody resists the Borg, right? The Borg will win. Really think Amazon Linux might be the future of Linux. I think all these other players are going to start dropping. I mean, you're going to have the Arches and the Gen 2s and the, you know, people like that. And I'm sure Ubuntu will be around for a while. But um, I mean, I'm even worried about Red Hat at this point. 
I mean, Red Hat might just go away. Ubuntu will still be there. Then you'll have like the Gen 2 arches. But the main OS will probably be Amazon Linux. That's my prediction. Um, and on one hand, I like it because they're just awesome. Everything sysadmin, like Amazon, they, they are the masters, right? On the other hand, well, it's the Borg. <laughs> so not sure how happy you can be about that. And I'm like seven books now into my reading on stoicism and mindfulness. And when I'm finished, I'll publish the full list. But right now I'm reading, well, I already read The Meditations, a bunch of stuff by Epictetus, a book about stillness. Oh, Stillness is the Key, that's what it was, by Ryan Holiday. And right now I'm reading a ton of essays by Seneca. It's actually two full books of just essays by Seneca. And I think I've got like five more books after this based on um, reader recommendations and uh, the unsupervised learning Slack channel. And uh, last one here and updates, I uh, really miss Yahoo Pipes. <laughs> I wish someone would uh, go and recreate Yahoo Pipes and while they're at it, Google Reader. There would be a huge market for that, I think. But I guess it's not just the creating, it's about the updates and upkeep. Uh, discovery. Run an internet speed test from the command line. Ubiquity has a new Amplify Alien router that has Wi-Fi 6 support and significantly enhanced range. The Google Cemetery, <laughs> this thing has the average time for Google to create and kill a product. <laughs> it's, it's great and also sad. Uh, the first selfie made in 1839. It's a, it's a little choppy, but it's pretty cool. Probably took like four hours to make. The Australian government's code of practice for securing the Internet of Things. The AWS, AWS Incident Response Guide. How to Recognize AI Snake Oil. This is a fantastic presentation that will help you cut through what's BS and what isn't. Occupational distribution of men and women in the U.S. labor force. FLAN, a free vulnerability scanner built by Cloudflare based on Nmap. I've already run it. It's decent. It's okay. Um, you know what? It's better than OpenVAS. That, that's what I will say. I don't think it finds as much stuff as OpenVAS. It's definitely not as good as a commercial like vulnerability scanner, like Nexpose or Nessus or Tenable or some, something like that. But um, I think it is better than OpenVAS in the sense that it's in map. So it's basically just using NSC scripts. Uh, bounty target data, a list of in-scope URLs for various bounties, and glances. It's like each top on the limitless drug. It's unbelievably cool. You run glances, you're on a Linux box, it shows you all your stats, it just looks really cool. Oh, I just realized I need to go install this on a box that I have that is got like 64 cores and 256 gigs of RAM. That's going to look cool. Anyway, recommendations. If you haven't messed with TikTok, you really should. It's a phenomenon worth understanding, at least at a base level. Like you just, you want to mess around with it, just see what everyone's talking about. Again, it just passed 1.5 billion downloads. And the aphorism for the week, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water.
Before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Old Eastern Adage. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. I believe ads are not just annoying, but that their incentive structure is toxic to the content creation process. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. UL members get the newsletter each week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we share ideas and links about the topics we discuss here in the podcast. They also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmiesler.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already a member. Each of you is helping support a model of content creation that we really need right now. And I appreciate you greatly. We'll see you next time.